Welcome on in everyone to another episode of Sigh of the Storm. My name is Evan Wesley, and as always, joined alongside my co-host, Mr. Brandon Ness. And today we are here to preview week seven, the last game before Iowa State's got a bye against the Cincinnati Bearcats. So first game against one of the new Big 12 teams uh, should be fun. Um, another trip to Ohio. Hopefully this one ends a little bit better than last time. Um, but before we go ahead and dive into everything, Brandon, how are you doing tonight? Well, the trip to Ohio couldn't be much worse. It's, it's very true. <laughs> what was it, 0-0 zero, zero at halftime? So yep. 3-0 to is a win. It would be a win. Um, I, I'm doing well. I think game last week against TCU was one of the better environments we've had since 2021. No, against Texas, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and regardless of, regardless of the loss for Iowa in 2021, that was also yeah. pretty juiced. Yeah, it was just nice to see us run the ball effectively and mm-hmm. get turnovers forced by the other team. And it's weird to say we just beat the national runners up from last year, but we did. And you can see just how fast things can turn around for a team like TCU and Iowa State kind of experienced the same thing in 2021. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so starting things off, we'll obviously dive into that TCU game where Iowa State got the 27-14 to 14 victory. Obviously, TCU put up a score late in the game, but nonetheless, very dominant win for Iowa State. Um, you know, 13 points. Probably if you're just someone who looks at the box score, it doesn't look that dominant, but uh, it was in cruise control from the second Abu ripped one, that 55-yarder. I mean, you could also probably argue maybe not technically, but it just you just got a vibe that it was, it was done at that point. Um, awesome that Iowa State could get the win uh, for the 100th, um, the, the Jack Trice legacy game that opening was one of the best we've seen in years maybe the best ever they finally figured out the run out walkout song not only did they have a great one in Thunderstruck and not just messing around with a bunch of random ones they had good volume they kept it going for a long time like they they had it bumping like when the team was just coming out of Stark walking through the red tunnel and when they ran out and kept it going plus the fireworks like it was money from the jump that that it was a death trap for TCU that night, but nonetheless, awesome that Iowa State could get the win uh, under that kind of celebration with the uniforms, which debating um, on certain people against who like them or not, and apparently the national media just like made like to make fun of them. But regardless, um, awesome night for Iowa State to get the win, and like I said, just really dominant. Um, I don't know the last time we really saw Iowa State have a dom. Probably actually TCU in 2021 was the last time Iowa State had a dominant win, not counting like the non-cons, obviously, because you're probably expected to have more dominant games. It's crazy because the last three meetings against TCU have just been complete blowouts one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. Got beat, what, 62-14 last mm-hmm. year. We bet beat them by half a hundred with – Breeze's they ran for like 200 yards and four touchdowns whatever it was yeah it's always just a weird game and I think it's a reason why you look at the remaining schedule and you can be a little bit hesitant because home field advantage is a very very real thing especially in a conference where every team is very similar yeah I mean Brent that's great because literally the big 12 there is tier one Oklahoma and Texas and then there's a massive gap and you have about everyone from K-State to Whoever you think is Baylor, team number Houston, 13. Yeah. Or Baylor might even be in the bottom one. Houston's certainly in the tier three, but it feels like there are three tiers, and there are two in one of them, one in the last one, and then a mosh posh of whatever it is, 11 teams in tier two, where it's seriously like whoever has those games at home, it feels like they're just going to be the ones who win. It's 
the teams who separate themselves and end in the top half of the league are going to be the ones who can etch out like one road win in Big 12 play. That's that's what it's going to come down to. And it's, I think, evident that the Big 12 isn't bad. No. Because you're seeing the teams that are new to the Big 12 this year, all the American teams plus BYU, are combined one of seven. Yeah. And that one was against themselves. So I think you're seeing playing the schedule week in and week out is more of a challenge than a lot of people realize. Yeah. Um, and it's a great segue, but we won't probably will. We'll wait to talk about Cincinnati for a bit. Uh, going over kind of the basics for TCU. Um, thought Rocco was fine. Made good decisions. I actually thought his that scramble drill play actually hit two. The two I want to point out was first the fourth and three. Don't remember the quarter. I know that Iowa State went on to score. I don't remember if it was a field goal or whatever. Regardless, yeah. Regardless, um, it was like his fifth read, and he saw Easton Dean slipping out, made the read. Like I think it shows like that because Matt said today in his press conference that was his fifth read uh, of the play, literally the last read. But he progressed through everything and still got it to Easton in time to make a play, get the first down. I thought that was great. Just shows his patience in the pocket, and his ability to be a really good processor of the defense. Second thing, again, to Easton Dean was just that he extended a play, kind of backyard football, not like crazy, but, you know, just extending a play and rolling out to his right, not a complete crossbody by any means, but throws it to the back shoulder of Dean, uh, goes by multiple defenders, like, those are the two plays that just really stuck out for me. Rocco didn't do anything to hurt them, but you could tell Iowa State was clearly leaning on the running game, and it worked really well. Eli Sanders was great, 16 carries, 99 yards, and a touchdown. Um, Abusama, 6 for 59, um, mainly highlighted, obviously, by the one rip of 55. You know, there was a great hole, but it shows you the elite speed he has. Cartavius Norton, 10 carries, 47 yards. Again, sucks for him. He's still battling an injury. Um, Carson Hansen had two carries, but I think regardless, like Iowa State's running back room is certainly to starting to take shape. If you guys have been listening to this, you know my thoughts on the running backs. You know who I want to be the running back of the future, but I think it's pretty clear right now who Campbell and company love, and that's Eli Sanders. And I don't blame them because he's not as fast as Abu, but he still has really high-end speed. But he's been the guy that has proven to put his head down and get the yard. And at the beginning of the year, that's exactly what Matt said. They are looking for the guy who is going to get the yard on short down and distance. And Sanders has no problem putting his head down, pushing the pile. He's done a really good job bouncing inside. And as I said, he's got good speed. Again, to wrap his things up, I already said his uh, stat line, but 6.2 yards per carry on 16 carries. Give credit to the O-line as well, but Sanders is certainly the head of this running back room at this point. I think it's almost completely the offensive line related in this game. Offensive line and tight ends. I think yeah. you could make a pretty good case that Easton Dean was the player of the game. Yeah. He had a really good game receiving-wise. Really good game as in three catches, but they were all big catches. He got open when he needed to be open. And then just run blocking. That's all this team is going to come down to, whether they make a bowl game or not. If they run for 250 yard, 15 yards on the ground, they're going to make a bowl game. Yeah. Um, but running back-wise, I think everybody brings something different to the table, which we knew coming into the year as well. Um, Hanson is definitely your third down and long pass blocking guy, which is yeah, pass pro or slipping out of the backfield. Right. And that's big out of a freshman. You don't usually see that. Uh, Norton's back from injury now. I think he's a hundred percent, if not very close. Yeah. It looked like he was kind of battling a stinger again off of one hit. I could be totally wrong, but 
you never know with Campbell, so we're just going to assume he's good. He got 10 carries. I don't think he would get 10 if he wasn't no, yeah. pretty much healthy. And Eli Sanders is definitely your um, first and second down back at this point, I think, with 16 carries, and he's definitely the most consistent. I think Avu has the highest ceiling, like you've said, mm-hmm. um, but I think he's your guy for now, and then next year you battle it out, battle it out, and it's going to be a battle. Yeah, because... <laughs> and- and without question, like, there are going to be two of the five running backs that transfer. I'd be surprised if A.J. Harris, who if you guys don't know him, I'm not going to blame you. He was the Stanford transfer who hasn't seen a single snap. Um, um, but so then it's he's kind of already out of the mix, obviously. So then it's between the four running backs. You know, they've done a good job of giving a lot of these guys opportunities and reps. But at the end of the day, I don't think all – I don't think more than three of them will stay. So that that makes you look at, well, two of them are true freshmen, so it kind of points to Cartavius Norton, but nothing for us to be speculating speculating about. We have no idea because, again, it's still going to be a race. Unless someone just has a performance like David Montgomery had in 16 or Brees Hall had in 2019, it's going to be a contest for the next – until someone does it. And transferring isn't necessarily a bad thing. You look at former Cyclone Johnny Lang – yeah. who he transferred away after not getting the number one reps, and now he's easily having the best couple years of his career. So, I mean, you look at a situation like that, even um, Jirel Brock, I mean, there's outside forces on that one, but not playing for three years with the number ones, and then your career essentially ending after one year is another reason why people transfer. So yeah, um, I would agree that at least one would likely go, just looking at history in the past of every sport every position mm-hmm. that's just kind of how it goes um but yeah i mean nothing else really to talk about the offense receiving game was not the focal point um so i won't talk a whole lot about that going to the defense um it was a solid game i mean they they held them to 14 they had four turnovers five if you count the block punt which was probably the biggest play of the game to be totally honest with you um so Flowers, given all my flowers to Darian Porter, he's probably going to go down as the best special teams player at Iowa State. <laughs> like, no? Oh, you like Jarvis West. Rory Walling. Oh, that's also a good one. But block punts is hard to emulate. Yes. That many in his career. Three like, is crazy. Yes. Um, but regardless, don't need to talk about, like, who is the top. Nonetheless, he is certainly one of the best. Um, that play definitely changed it. But the defense, I think – I don't want to take anything away from it because at the end of the day, it was a good performance. No matter how you put it, when you get four turnovers and you hold them to 14 points, you did your job. It could, You can look at the yards and say whatever. They got the turnovers when they needed to, so I'm not trying to dock them by any means necessary. But what I will say, don't overreact and say they're back to even Iowa or Ohio game. or You and I, Iowa or Ohio, like non-con peak or like last year's team. Because there are still differences. I think the big thing to look at, TCU, TCU is running for five yards carry. 185 yards. Amani Bailey, 21 carries, 152 yards, 7.2 yards per rip. Part of that is Bailey's got really good speed, and he's good at making people miss. And, and he doesn't bounce around in the backfield at all. He no, just he goes. just hits a hole, and then he makes you miss. So you give your you give props to Bailey, when you because certainly. But... That is kind of a problem that you hope is just a ba- an Amani Bailey issue and not a defensive issue. But nonetheless, they 
you know, even earlier in the game, when I would say did get those turnovers again, good thing they did because TC was driving like the first four, their first four offensive possessions just got went empty handed every single time, whether they turn it over or turn it over on downs, like they just stalled out. Um, but that's one thing I would look at. Um, their pass defense is really good. The only time the pass defense is not great is when pressure doesn't get there in time. And I thought that it was certainly better. It was better. They just didn't finish the play. No. But if there's something that we certainly learned, um, again, I said this a little bit last week. This week only proved it. Zach, love it, needs a lot more snaps because he is about the only linebacker getting home right now. Between him and the occasional safety blitz, there's not anybody who is sacking the quarterback. J.R. Singleton, I think, has two on the year. But I don't think Onyedem has one. Maybe he has one. I don't think Dom has one. I don't think Joey has one. I guess Caleb Bacon's got there. Um, but there's really not a lot of guys right now who are getting home to the quarterback. Lovett is doing it consistently over the past two weeks. And so he's a guy, I think, when you really, again, need more pressure. I've been talking about Ike or Ikena Iziagu. That's just Ike's his nickname. I think he's a guy that gives you that will mcdonald-esque type of player in a sense where he has that agility uh, and he's got the ability to bat balls down the line of scrimmage he's got the quicker get off i think they need to work in some of the guys who can get home fast because that's kind of the issue right now is you do see improvement and a lot of that is the defensive line has time to get home because of the secondary and when most of your d-line is power rushers you're going to need time so it kind of works but that's where they need to do a better job of finishing but i also think down the line, and you saw when you have a guy like Dylan Gabriel, when he does not take that long to throw, that's where the defense gets in trouble because the pressure's not there. So that I think the run defense is run defense and pressure is still a bit of an issue going forward. But I don't want to dock the defense. Incredible day overall, mainly by the secondary. Bo Freeler, amazing game from him. Uh, I think it was what eleven tackles, two interceptions, uh, a pass deflection. Just Bo was awesome. I think when you're looking at the defense, really the only problem was tackling, and that can be both pressure-wise and just open field tackling. They're, TCU always has speed. Yeah. I think that was a lot of the problem was just bad angles. You're used to playing um, Oklahoma State and Ohio and they, Iowa. Iowa, and they usually just don't have the athletes. And now you move into Ohio and TCU, and those are the two games where you just didn't tackle well in open space, but... I don't think it's too big of an issue going forward. The one thing with pass rush, and it was better, but I still don't think we have a guy that can win a one-on-one matchup consistently. It seems mm-hmm. like whenever you get a sack, it's untouched, and mm-hmm. it just gets the quarterback right away. So I think that's kind of why they went away from a lot of the five- and six-man blitzes is because it wasn't working regardless. And so if you're going to blitz, you might as well either go all out or sit back in coverage and hope you have a one quarterback injury, which we had on Saturday, which – played into 14 points yep. or a quarterback that will face on Saturday that makes a lot of mistakes. Yep. So I think that's a good way to move on to Cincinnati. That quarterback brain is talking about Emory Jones, another one of those you've been here forever type of players. Started off at Florida, went to Arizona State. I don't think there was something in between there. Maybe I should confirm that. Um, but now he's at Cincinnati. Let me get you. I didn't even know he went to Arizona State. Yeah, last year. So he was at Florida for four years. He sat behind um, Kyle Trask for a bit. Richardson. And then, no, because Richardson was waiting behind him. Mm. 
so he was like the full-time starter in 2021. Last year goes to Arizona State, which kind of, I think Richardson got some opportunities in 2021. Um, but he left because I think it was pretty obvious who that quarterback they were going with, speaking of Florida. Goes to Arizona State. I don't know if he got hurt, just got benched. Only 1,500 yards, seven touchdowns, four picks. He's also a running quarterback, only 31 yards on the ground. Uh, he certainly has had a resurgence from that aspect so far throughout this season. So he's thrown for 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns. He's ran for 280 yards and three touchdowns. But as Brandon noted, he is prone to turnovers as he has six interceptions on the year. There is no fumbling statistic for him. So... Anyway, or at least I'm not diving deep enough. But regardless, he's been there for a while. He's a veteran guy, but he's not like a Dylan Gabriel. He is going to have a lot more happy feet. He's not going to stick in the pocket, which is where there's ever been a time Iowa State's quarterback contained needs to be, like, in check. It's got to be this week. For sure. That's the main threat, really. If he sits back and picks us apart throwing 55 passes and you lose, it is what it is. Yeah. I think you kind of have to force him to be uncomfortable, not in the sense that he's getting pressured constantly in the pocket, but just make him sit back there. If nothing's there, he's going to make a mistake. Like you said, happy feet is a big problem for them. You saw it against Oklahoma. He turned it over twice in the red zone. So bend-out break is a big thing in this Mm -hmm. game. Don't get down on yourself even if they do score early because you can come back into the game very quickly with a uh, turnover or pump block again. Yeah, it's true. So I think that's the biggest thing in this game is just make them uncomfortable. I think the receivers are fine. There's nobody that's going to blow you out of the water by any means. But just kind of a solid team all around. They were close against Oklahoma, but how have you wanted to find close when you only score six points is what it is. But I don't expect too much out of them, and this is a really good opportunity for Iowa State to get to four wins and then – you can kind of get excited at the, that point for a bowl game, I think. Yeah, no doubt. Um, kind of touching on the rest of it, the other thing I would say, starting running back Corey Kinner, 76 carries, 405 yards, going for just over five yards per carry, two touchdowns. They are going to try to run the ball, whether that is with Jones or Kinner. Like, it's just what's going to happen. They'll use the passing game, but, again, it's not that much. Um, it's just not uh, – they're just not built to do that. So – it is going to come down to the run defense. It's going to come down to tackling. It's going to come down to quarterback contain. And as Brandon said, Ben, don't break. Like, they're probably going to have long drives. But if you're just giving up field goals and you're not giving up touchdowns, that's going to be the key. So it's not like a super, like, scary threatening test where I felt much more scared about TCU coming into it, you know, with the talent that they have in terms of just their speed. A guy like Chandler Morris who can – do it on the ground and through the air where I just feel like Emory Jones is really only going to do it on the ground unless there's just complete lapses in the secondary, which probably won't happen. Um, But regardless, it's, it's more of a, I don't even know. They're definitely not on the level of a, you know, an Iowa or a K state, but I would lean towards like kind of that style ish yeah more or less I think this is a really big game for the linebackers when you have a mobile quarterback whoever's going to be in spy I think it's probably going to be love it again yep just because how it successfully was there the big thing in this game 
I actually don't have it for a key in my game, but I do think it's probably what the game's going to come down to is just limiting plays to be under six seconds-ish. Because yeah. these plays where the quarterback is just scrambling around, running in circles in the backfield, never end well for the Iowa State defense right now. No. Um, it's not because of the defensive backs. No. <laughs> it's because usually something opens up over the middle or the quarterback just makes a crazy play, and Emory Jones is definitely an athlete that can do that. When you look at the only real touchdown, if that's what we're going to call it, when Chandler Morris is just running around for dear life and then throws one on the run. I mean, the secondary held them for, like, Eight seconds, eight to ten seconds, which is yeah. a lot. Yeah, they're uh, probably going to be a tenth place or below finish. Mm-hmm. What I think they're yeah zero and two right now. They've only played two. We played three. That's also an interesting thing going into this game is they're coming off a bye, so you never really know what you're going to get out of a team with a first year coach first of all, and off of a bye game, who knows what trick plays they have um, in hand for them. Yeah, certainly. Uh, so with that, we'll dive into the keys of the game. Number one for me is stopping the run game. That is the entirety of Cincinnati's offense. It doesn't have to be totally locked down, but at the end of the day, you just like you can't let TCU. You can't have a repeat of TCU, in my opinion. Um, I would say it was lucky enough where again, kind of similar vein where Emory Jones is a guy that is turnover prone. But I think again, coming off of a bye, getting the tape that they're gonna to get Cincinnati, getting the tape they they're gonna get from TCU, they are already a team that likes to run the ball. They're gonna do it probably more than they were even planning on. So I think that's that's a big key. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm gonna go to the offensive side of running the ball. I'm gonna say run for 100 yards or more. Yep. I think if you do that, you put yourself in a really good chance to win. We're kind of in hybrid of what we used to be offensively in the air raid that we were kind of joking about for a couple games yep um last but, week was very much a mid last week actually felt more similar to pre-Oklahoma State not yes. as bad obviously but most of the past game too was a lot of slants out routes it wasn't and they did have their wrinkles which shows where they're in like kind of that middle way but it did feel more like not what we saw against Oklahoma State and Oklahoma I think the big thing is they're actually adjusting now because the run game was working against TCU they're going to continue to go to that and play that style that we have seen for the last five years under Campbell yeah um but if it's not working after quarter and a half you probably have to abandon it and go back to something more like we saw against Oklahoma but I do think running the ball is going to make a big difference either way they go. Yep. My second thing, and this honestly is pretty much the same thing as my first key, containing Emory Jones. And most of this is both don't let him just don't have lapses and quarterback contain where you, you know, you just lose contain in a pass rush and it's third and nine and there is nobody on either side of the field because you lost contain and he can easily go out. I mean, I look at the Ohio game, their offense didn't do anything the entire game, but what extended drives was Rourke ripped off anywhere from like seven to 12 yard runs on third and like eights, just because their Iowa state lost contain. And not only is it important to keep him from running for first downs, but you saw a glimpse of what Chandler Morris could do when there was laps in contain and he was able to outrun the defense he did what he does best, and that's being a playmaker on the run. It's the same thing with Emory Jones. There's a chance that those can lead to turnovers, like he did for Chandler Morris. It, It's an eerie similar quarterback. 
I think Chandler Jones is much better than Emory Jones, but they're both pretty similar. So, And I think you'll see quarterbacks that can move the rest of the season. I think Shapin's the only one that's probably not going to be trying to run a ton, especially coming off an injury. But, I mean, you look at uh, Kansas. If it's Daniels or Bain, either one, do right? It. BYU. I haven't uh, watched enough of BYU well, to know, it's but they Keaton usually Slovis, do. Yeah. So probably not. Probably not a ton. Probably similar to like Shapin. He can get it done if he needs to. And then Ewers and if Kansas State's quarterback is back, he'll be running around as well. So that's something that you're going to have to be better at right away, and they've already showed progress there. Uh, my second key of the game is pretty simple. Win the turnover battle. Uh, if you win the turnover battle 4 nothing or 5 nothing again, you're going to win. Yeah, simple as that. Only thing is, you can't replicate that. Nope. They're likely never going to get four picks in a game for probably another year. Um, so, a lot longer than that. I don't know the last time I would say it had that many turnovers. It was 2016 against San Jose State. Yeah, so... I don't remember anything from that game, but... The debut of the Grays. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, yeah, if you win the turnover battle, you put yourself in a good position, I think. Certainly. On the road, let's see, Ohio, you threw two picks inside of your own 50. Yeah. So... Lost by three. Yeah, so it's just crucial for Iowa State to be on the right side of the turnover battle. Yeah, my last thing is winning the run game. They're all three of my keys are related. I could have said in one. This is, again, kind of what Brandon's first key was, going back to the offense. Again, obviously he's got to be able to win the run game offensively because I do think that what you saw last week, they will have these wrinkles because they now have the capability to use these wrinkles because they essentially had two weeks to test those things out because the run game was non-existent. Um, but the offensive line has gotten better. I think a part of that is rotating in new guys and potentially just them gelling or figuring out how to make it easier to run the ball in terms of using the pass game. Um, but when you talk about plug it, like guys going in, Brennan Black first, it was Triber replaces Daryl Simmons, and that, that turned into true freshman Brennan Black replacing Triber and Simmons essentially, so jumping two guys. Jake Remsburg is cleared to come back. I don't think you'll see much of him, but down the line, I wouldn't be shocked if hey if he takes a spot of Neal. I don't know if that means Tyler Miller goes back to left tackle because last year's offensive line was Tyler Miller at left tackle, Hufford at left guard, obviously Trevor Downing at center, but just plug-and-play Boniface. Right guard was Simmons. Brendan Blackard had jumped him, and Remsburg was at right tackle. So I don't know if they'll go back to that, and then you essentially just have – new center, new right guard, but regardless, he'll be back. Just the main point, like, obviously winning the turnover battle is also super important, but I did all three keys in the run game because you will win or lose this game on the ground on both sides of the ball because that is what Cincinnati loves to do. If Matt and company are able to run the ball, we obviously know that's what they love to do as well. So it comes down to who is going to be the more physical team, in all honesty. Yep, and Rumsburg being back is definitely an interesting wrinkle. Like you said, you're probably not going to see him start for sure. I'm guessing he'll get snaps. It's probably more of a snap count, but it's weird. I don't know how you do that with linemen. Yeah, you just rotate him in with the twos, I guess. They don't do that much. No, but they don't really rotate linemen in, so that's where it's, I don't know how you really do a snap count. But he did bring that up in his practice conference, so I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, going to my... Pick grade. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't analyze an offensive line very well either. No. My third key of the game is punting better. Um, Last two weeks, man. Our guy, my guy, yeah. I don't know if he's your guy or not, Tyler Perkins, averaged 34 yards 
season low there. Um, TCU's punter was 33 yards, so it was a really bad game of punting. Yep. Um, winning the punting battle could be, if you're on your own 40 and you haven't been punting well so far, go for fourth down. Yeah. Because at that point, you're only gaining 20 yards of offense, and you might as well just go for it. And we've been successful against Oklahoma State and TCU when we went for fourth down and short. Mm-hmm. So learn from your mistakes in the punting game. If he's there, then definitely use him because I think he can be a weapon when he's on. Um, but if not, then I think the offense is more than capable to pick up a couple fourth downs. Yeah. So with that, we'll flip to the predictions. I believe the score is now 6-1, to one, which is lovely. Yep. Um, so our Big 12 games this week are Kansas at Oklahoma State. Uh, it is BYU at TCU and K-State at Texas Tech. I'm still not a Jayhawk believer. It is going to crumble eventually, but at the same time, the Big 12, they're in that middle of the pack, and they're probably towards the upper of Tier 2, honestly, because even though I don't think they are that great, there's not a lot of teams who have proven that they are better than them at this point because their offense is just that good, even without their quarterback. Jason Bean has done great in the absence of Jalen Daniels. So I am going to pick the Jayhawks. Uh, OK State did get a big win over K-State, and that's why I feel like this could be interesting. But Out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, this is really weird, uh, especially because we thought that basically that entire roster was going to transfer after the Iowa State game. Yep. Um, but regardless, I will take Kansas. I'm still not a believer, but whatever. i got to get points. So second one, this one was very interesting as well, BYU at TCU. TCU losing two in a row makes me, with it being in Fort Worth, is like very much like, yeah, they're definitely going to win. But it's also no Chandler Morris, so I don't know. But again, the new Big 12 members have not been great uh, to start the year, especially, you know, BYU's going to have to go on the road, and I don't think they're an incredible team. So even without Morris, I'll take TCU. I think they need to get back game. Talking about get back games, Kansas State, if there is a team that is going to disrupt the SEC Big 12 title game, it's going to be the Wildcats. They have to find a way to get on. Maybe the Neil Brown led West Virginia Mountaineers, but that'd be a that'd be a long shot. I think there's only one team who has the talent to knock off. At this point, it would have to be Texas. I think Te- K State's the only one who can disrupt the SEC Big Twelve championship game. So they're gonna have to go on a run, and I think it starts in Lubbock this weekend. I agree on most of these. It's it's crazy after I just said in the. Uh, introduction of this podcast that I thought the home game home teams would win most of the games. I have all three road teams winning these. I have Kansas by 14 against Oklahoma State. I have no idea what to expect out of Oklahoma State. They just randomly beat the third best team in the conference going into this week after being pretty bad up to that point. Yeah. Um, BYU TCU. I I just don't know what you to expect out of the TCU quarterback yet. Um, you can see a lot of different ways this can go with a backup quarterback entering his first game. And a lot of times it goes really well, and other times it completely crumbles and they get beat by 30. There's really no in-between. Right. So I'm going to pick BYU here by 7, which would get them to 2-2 two and two in the conference. So that's something you keep an eye on as well. They could be somebody in position to disrupt Oklahoma late in the year as they're their last road game in the Big 12. Yeah, actually, that weekend is very interesting because yeah. Oklahoma goes to BYU and Texas comes to us. So, two You're bad on upset spots. alert. Yeah, that's really bad for both teams. Oklahoma playing BYU right before Bedlam too. 
I think the they actually play before that. Oh, do they? I think Bedlam's like before BYU. I don't know. Rivalry week is just not a thing anymore, apparently. No. Um, I'll pick Kansas State by 21. That will not be close. They're not losing two in a row. No. Uh, so with that, next one, Jersey. Um, listen, my favorite are, is all white, but if there's like, we talked about this a couple episodes ago, like I would say primary home should be red, red, white, and their primary road should be white, white, red. Give me the primary road uniforms. I'd be shocked if they wear red, white, red again, especially the last trip they had to Ohio. I just don't think it's going to be all white for whatever reason. I wouldn't complain. So I think there's only two options, and I'm going to go with the one that I like better than the other one. So white, white, red. Do they still have the chrome helmets? Uh, or did they retire no. those? I mean, the last time they wore them was the 2019 game at Kansas State. So they yeah. like shafted two of the best combos after 2019 like before i mean 2020 they were all black basically the entire year and i think that was kind of the start of it but yeah it was kind of sad 2019 was the end of black red red and chrome white white which is super sad because those were two of my favorites yeah i'm going red white right here that's why i asked because maybe we can throw a chrome in there <laughs> not counting on it but maybe yeah that that'd be great uh, player of the game for me, I'm going to go Gary Vaughn. Um, I think when you talk about running game, obviously the secondary is big. I don't want to go both Freeler after he had the week he had. I just don't want to be that guy that picks last week's player of the game back-to-back weeks. Not that I picked him last week. I'm saying I don't want to. You know what I mean, hopefully. Uh, so I think the next biggest thing is linebacker in terms of stopping the run. I think Lovett would be an interesting option, to be totally honest. I just don't think you'll get enough snaps. So... Take I'll take the veteran. I know Bo is like the anchor of the defense, and from what Matt s- says, it sounds like he's the anchor of the entire team, which honestly I would not be that shocked. But I'll take Gary Vaughn to try and lead the young pups of that linebacking core because I think the linebackers are going to be crucial in a multitude of different ways, stopping the run, containing the quarterback, spying the quarterback, keeping Emory Jones, the running backs, in check. So I'll take the guy who's been at Iowa State the longest of anyone on the entire roster. I'm going to go in a different direction here, and this is simply because I think it could be a lot of points if I just randomly get this. I'm going to go Demetrius Stanley because we haven't really seen a ton from him this year, and why not? It seems like the receivers never play two good games in a row. True. So I'm going to go with him, which would likely mean he's going to have to get two touchdowns. Um, and the first to 20 points is probably going to win this game. So if he gets two touchdowns, he's going to be the difference. Yeah. Um, so game prediction, I think the next five games, I was feeling fairly confident about the TCU game. Just, I mean, because I think that's a pick that both me and Brandon had locked in the entire offseason was that atmosphere was going to be big. I just, I did not think there was going to be a way I was going to lose that one. Brandon is actually six for six. Elite. Um, so I hope you stay on track. Cause I think you picked Cincinnati earlier. I don't know what he's picked yet, but... I am going to take Iowa State very close, 20 to 19. I think the defense oh, forces, God. I think the defense forces Cincinnati to stall out just enough. My blood pressure is not going to enjoy a one-point game, but this completely comes down to the team who stalls out a couple times more than the other. And I think Iowa State's defense has the capability to do that more. Um cuz honestly last week Iowa State probably wasn't going to score as many points as they did had it not been for the turnovers. And I think Iowa State will force at least one turnover, but I'm not counting on four. And so that's where I, even though it's only seven less points, 
I think that will kind of be the difference because I would say, honestly, they left a lot on the board in terms of not scoring off of turnovers or points off turnovers. So it's going to be close. But like we've been saying, starting last week, starting with TCU and you go to BYU, that's a run of like five games that are legit toss-ups the entire way through. And Iowa State could be as best as 5-0. and And I don't think – I think the, at worst they'll be 2-3 and three through this five-game stretch. Um, I don't know exactly who those wins are going to be at this moment. But when I look at Cincinnati, Baylor, Kansas, BYU, they're all super winnable. BYU might be the hardest just because of the atmosphere, and Kansas is the best talent, but that's at home. Nonetheless, I think this is a big opportunity for Iowa State. They have some momentum. If you're 4-3 and three going into the bye to prepare for Baylor, who has been struggling, like there's a real chance Iowa State could be coming back home 5-3 and three on homecoming with a chance of bowl eligibility. So I'm going to go Iowa State. That was a long answer to pick that. but The next three of the four games that have been labeled the easiest to win are probably the next three. So, yeah. I I don't think you're winning at BYU. I don't think it's anything to do with BYU. Just, just the environment. environment going out west never goes well. Um, but this isn't about BYU anyways. Um, I went back and forth and back and forth on this game because I think Iowa State is the better team. It's just they haven't showed it on the road yet. Yeah. So, I am going to pick Cincinnati by 7. Um this is a lot like the Ohio game where I just had no clue who to pick. Yeah. Hopefully it's prettier than that one, but yeah, I think Cincinnati gets their first Big 12 win. Well, let's hope you go 6-1 and one in terms of your yeah. preseason predictions. Yeah. <laughs> let's not keep you on. Have you missed one? I guess you did pick Iowa State to beat Ohio, and we did it again, but otherwise yeah. I think you've gotten everything else. Because so you picked Iowa. That's, that's twice. Yeah, I think this the, you've only missed on the Ohio, but you got it right in the non-con. Anyway, um, but that's all we've got today, everyone. Um, for uh, kind of sucks. Iowa State is on a three-week hiatus from Jack Trice. Yes. Uh, really sucks because it's the best time of year. So let's just hope that November is. That's probably going to be a two thirty game, if not like that a weird time, like maybe a one if they get ESPN Plus, like West Virginia last year. So hopefully it's like sun sun out, uh, 50-ish, maybe 40s, not super low, but hopefully it's okay weather because missing out on the best month kind of sucks. But nonetheless, um, yeah, I guess quickly talking about cyclones in the NFL, Brock Purdy is now like fifth in MVP voting right now, um, which is great. It's awesome. Brees Hall, back and dominated the Broncos career day. I think it was like almost 180 yards and a touchdown. He's looks great. David, I think tied some record with Barry Sanders for Detroit. Laz is doing good. So it's nice to enjoy Sundays if you don't have an NFL team, uh, which I know guy to my right is kind of enjoying the, the ride of Iowa state players and you get to do that in person. So that that's your little stretch in between Jack Trice. That's my home game. What is it? 23rd. Yeah. 13 days from now. Yeah. Going to the Vikings Niners game, CBP in Brocktober. It yeah. only mean good things. Yeah, they're not losing that one. No, especially no JJ. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you guys, so we'll go ahead and wrap that up or wrap this up as always. Um, be sure to check us out on social media. All that will be linked down below in the description of the podcast. Um, anything you've got, I'm sure you, uh, 
big one for you. I guess when you're listening to this today, it's media day for Big 12, or not Big, probably is all of Big 12, but Iowa State's media day for basketball is today, officially, so I'm sure you're excited about that. Yeah, only 27 days. Creeping up on you. It, it is. I mean, <clears throat> I'm excited to be back in Hilton for a basketball game, and I think the women are actually playing on the first, so that's really early. Borderline shouldn't be basketball season, but... <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah, excited to be back for basketball. I think this team could be really interesting to watch early in the year, although their non-con is not very good, so people like you are probably not going to be super interested for the first couple months. But No, I mean, I'm skipping a handful of games to watch the Chargers. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to blame you there when they're playing a roast beef tech. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, well, that will do it. Hopefully Iowa State can come out with a win and be just over 500. Obviously, last year was a little bit different. Went 3-0 non-con, had a four-game losing streak going into the bye. So hopefully it's other way around. Iowa State could be 3-1 and one going into the bye. Just think about that. Don't know if a lot of people thought that coming off of Ohio. I would say nobody thought that. Well, maybe me. I've been on. I've been high on this team for a while. Three and one, though. Hey. Well, I stuck with. I stuck with the wins. I said that all those games were winnable. I stuck with them, even after the Ohio game. I said I trusted Matt. I have proof. I'm just saying. Okay, I'll trust you on that. Anyway, all right, guys, that will go ahead and do it. Appreciate you all for listening, um, and we will see you next time. Roll clones, baby.